Hello everyone and welcome to the Dog Ate My Meeple podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dog Ate My Meeple podcast. As promised in the last episode, today we'll be looking at Harry Potter's Hogwarts battle. But before I will have a look at the game itself, I would like to apologize to all the listeners about the delay with our Mansions of Madness special. This is due to holidays and some of the scheduling issues, but don't worry, the episode is still coming, so be on the lookout for it and hopefully you'll get our first ever audio drama soon. But in this episode, we will be looking at Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. I will tell you something about the game itself, I'm quickly, briefly outline how the game plays, then I'll tell you what I really like about the games there, what are some of the small bits that are not perfect. But without further ado, I'll see you in a second and we'll go straight into what the game actually is. Okay, hello back after short break and like I said, today we are looking at Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Now, you might have heard of that game, and if you have not heard of that game, I would say it's good that you found our podcast, because the game is quite good. If you are a fan of Harry Potter, then that's a great thing to get you into board games, and card games in this case. If you are a card game or board game fan, and a Harry Potter fan, then you've just found a perfect gift for yourself, I would say. Well, so, let's have a quick look. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a deck builder game, which means that we start with a particular set of cards and as we play the game, we will be using them to gain what the game calls influence. Basically, it's like a small tokens which represent ministry stamps, but we can consider them basically money for the game's sake. And also, as we play our cards, we will be dealing damage, which is represented by small lightning tokens and as we can imagine, the damage means that there is something to kill or damage. Okay, so let's go back a bit. So within the game, we have choice of playing as Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger and Neville Longbottom, which are our four basic characters that we all know and love. Now, there is an expansion which adds Luna Lovegood as a playable character, which I am yet to test out in the future, but for now I can tell you something more about Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville. Now, basically when we start, we will start with a set of 10 cards. And most of them will give us points, which is basically the influence I mentioned before, and it will allow us to purchase more cards that we will be adding to our deck. So each turn we will do a few things, and I will tell you in a moment how it works, but let's just say that when you start, Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville play relatively similar. Now once we start, we will be playing with a set deck of 10 cards, and with a given character card. Now before I can tell you a bit more what happens with the characters, I have to outline how the game works. Well, while the game can be replayable and we can play again and again and again, the game has sort of campaign system, let's call it. Pretty much, once we open the box, we're gonna have a nice board that allows us to set up everything, but we will notice that the game has seven boxes called Game 1 to 7. This is the moment when they kind of lost an opportunity, because as you can imagine, having seven books, each game represents one year at Hogwarts, so I was a bit disappointed it's not called year one to seven. I mean, it's literally four letters, just change them, it would be so much better. Ignoring that, we have a 
box for each year at Hogwarts. And as you can imagine, each year at Hogwarts, we will be playing relative to what happened in the books. So each game as we play, we're going to have within a box a set of rules that will tell us what we have to do for that specific game on a separate card, um, which we actually can put in the back of the rule book, which allows us to later on, once we play through all of them, easily access them. I think it's a quite cool system for it, because once you play through the whole game, you don't need to find the rules in each of the separate boxes. You can just open the last page and you will find over there pockets where you can basically slide in the rules for games one to six. Uh, sorry, from games two to seven, because the rules for game one are already in the book. Now, I told you quite a lot and I explained quite a lot of things and I mentioned some boards and things like that. But actually, what do we do in the game? Well, in the game as Harry, Ron, Hermione or Neville, we will be casting spells that will give us influence and resources to purchase other spells that we'll be able to cast later in the game. Now, some of the spells, like Alhomora, for example, give us uh, resources, which will give us the influence I mentioned, and allow us to purchase more cards. Um, other spells, like Flipendo or Incendio, allow to deal damage to the others. There are also supportive spells like Lumos, which in the world of Harry Potter allows us to cast light, and in case of this game allows all of our allies and all of our other players to draw additional card. So as you can see throughout the game we will cast different spouses, all of the characters from the in-game world in order to gain two types of resources which will be influence that allows us to purchase new cards and add them to our deck later on in the game or damage which we will be dealing to the villains in order to defeat them. So in that regard it's actually relatively simple. But that doesn't mean it's easy or overly simplistic. The game actually can get quite complex and as we play we will go for different tactics and the cards we purchase will basically make each playthrough of the game slightly different. So there is a lot of depth to it. Now as you can imagine for each game from 1 to 7, which like I've mentioned corresponds to each year, we will be fighting iconic villains. And while I don't want to spoil anything much beyond game 1, we can imagine if you are in any way familiar with movies or game or games, um, movies or books, you will know that the first main villain is Squirrel. And as you can imagine, he will be the main bad guy uh, within the game. So within game 1, we have to defeat Squirrel on top of um, two other guys that I'm sure if you ever play you will find really recognizable. And basically each turn we will see what bad thing happens. So we look at something called dark art events and generally it has some bad um, effects on players where it's going to be losing life or you can't get new cards or something along that. We will look at villain powers because each villain does something specific on their own turn though that might not always happen. Then we will use our cards to gain influence and deal damage and then we draw five cards at the end of the turn so basically we always have five cards in our hand. If at any point we realize that all of our cards are done and we can't really draw any new ones, we will take our discard pile, shuffle it and put it into our draw pile again. Now why this is important? This is important because if at any point we buy a new card, it goes into our discard pile, which means I can't use it straight away. I have to wait till I, let's say, use all my cards. Only then I get a chance to get the newly bought cards for the game itself. Now there are some cards that allow us to mitigate that but generally that's the basic rule of it. So we play, we play, we play until we defeat three villains or, that's for game one of course, because over there we have three, or until the evil guys, the villains, will take over control. Now what that means is over the game you will have few cards that represent different locations. So we might have for example Hogsmeade, we might have um, Diagon Alley, 
And as we play, some of the Dark Arts event will tell us to put specific tokens, and they are called control tokens. What I really like about them is that they are small, school, hexagonal metal tokens with a school symbol on them, and we put them on specific places on the card. If all of the location cards are filled in with these tokens, then basically the game is lost because the villains were able to take over the control over all of the key locations for us. However, if we manage to defeat the villains before that happens, we won and we are able to continue. Now, in the beginning of the game, Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville play relatively similarly as the basic cards are very similar. We will all have some cards that allow us to get the influence, that allows us to buy more cards. Each of them will start with a basic ally, which is going to be their pet. Now, at this point, some of you will be like, but wait a minute, if it's year one, what's going to be the pet for Hermione? She didn't get Crookshanks until later in the game. Or, for example, in case of Ron, if you know the books or movies, you will notice that the pet is actually Pigwidgeon rather than Scabbers. Now, why is that? Well, this is one of the games, which is one of the things within the game, which doesn't bother me personally, but I see why that would be a problem, because the game doesn't really follow the, I don't know, the order of everything, it doesn't follow things chronologically. So even though we are on year one and we are playing as Ron, we already have Pigwidgeon that he got on year three, if my memory is correct. So that's not really followed. Another thing that might bother you at that point is that the arts are stills from the movie. What I mean is basically pictures from the movie. We don't have anything drawn up, they are all pictures of things. You're going to have Quirrell as the actor, Harry Potter is the picture of young Daniel Radcliffe from year one from the movies. So if you wanted to see something of a more the artistic style you know from the books, you might be disappointed. On the other hand, however, what I really like about it is that while we do have the things mostly based on the movie and we have all of the art and the pictures taken from the movie, there are things added that did not exist in the movie. So Essence of Dittany, which in the movie I don't think is ever mentioned, actually exists within the game. So if you read the books, you will be happy to find some things that the movies did not show, but the game does have. So we have a mix of mix and match. Um, another thing about the style is that even though, for example, we have Draco Malfoy as one of the villains on game one, we have picture of him from fourth or fifth movie when he's already walking around in black suit and he's a teenager. So you look down and you have a picture of a young Daniel Radcliffe from year one. So we have first year Harry Potter, Ron, Hermione and Neville, but the villain is 14 or 15 year old Draco Malfoy. So that doesn't really suit. If you're really picky on things like that, that might be a bit of a nuisance for you and you might get annoyed by it. But generally, I found that it does not affect the gameplay in any way. And you still know that Draco as Draco. So that shouldn't really be an issue for you. So while the game itself, we go through and we continue to get the resources, buy new cards and use them and buy new cards and help ourselves, help our friends and, and so on and so on. Generally, like I've mentioned before, Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville play in a very similar way in the beginning. This, however, changes. While in the beginning, they only have one item that really has a different playstyle. So Harry is mostly about dealing damage. Ron is a bit about getting a lot of allies. Um, Hermione allows others to benefit from her points and Neville is kind of a safety net against being uh, discarded a card. So if a, a villain forces him to do something bad to him, he gets kind of a bit of a benefit from it. Now, in the beginning they play quite similar, but from game three, for example, our player cards will change and later as we play, the rules change and the rules develop. So if you think about it, game one is really a tutorial game, which teaches you things. 
You go to game two, things get a bit more difficult, and game three adds another layer to it um, and changes the characters. Game four will do something else, um, introduces dice, which is another cool thing. Then in game five, we add another mechanic. So what I really love about it that once you play from game one to seven, you really learn and there is something new to discover. Uh, for each game. That doesn't mean that the game loses its re replayability once we go to game 7 and we finish the whole story and even if we defeat, as you can imagine, Voldemort in game 7, not really much of a spoiler here. Um, I don't know actually if that's true because I haven't played game 7 but that's what we can expect I guess. Now even if we go through game 7 that doesn't mean that the game is really finished and there is nothing to do because I can just replay it. Um, by now I've played game 1 already about 3 or 4 times. Um, game 2 I've played once, um, I'm about to start game 3 and talking about it, one of the problems that USOPOLY, which is the company that released the game, had is what I would basically call complete lack of quality control. Now, first of all, many people and if you go online you're gonna see many threads which moan about it and I thought that's not gonna bother me but there are things that do really bother you. If you are picky about cards being slightly discolored straight away especially in a game like this, which is a card game. So you can actually, you know, have a look at your card and if it's slightly discolored, you can guess what card will it be. It might be really annoying. And the game has problem with consistent quality. Um, there are moments when there are threads um, which basically tell you that there are cards with different colors or some of the tokens are cut incorrectly. In my case, for example, I went into box with game three only to find rules for game six. So I thought, okay, they swept them around. Then I go to box six and I find rules for game six, which basically meant I had no rules for game three. That's why I kind of did not play it yet. Luckily, it wasn't a problem because I wasn't the only person with that. And I found a PDF, which I printed out. So I'm fine and sorted. But if you play 50 quid, because that's how much the game actually costs in a shop. If you play 50, if you pay 50 quid for a game, you don't expect you will have to go and look something up like that online and print rules out for yourself, right? And because the company is based in US, um, me being in UK, I can't count on them getting me anything. And I've emailed them and they said, sorry, you are not in US. We're not going to help you out with this. So I actually had to go to Board Game Geek Forum and over there find a PDF. The company didn't even bother giving me the PDF of the rules I needed. So not the best customer service in that regard. But ignoring the company itself, going back to the game, I think that the game is really interesting. Um, what I like is that it's a very simple but a really good deck builder in game one. And as we go through, the game gets more difficult and gets more complicated. We get new spell and we are introduced to new mechanics, which I really like. I wish I could tell you more, but then I would be spoiling the fun of playing through it. So I can't really do that. I would feel really bad about it. So all in all, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a really good intro game in terms of being a deck builder because it really teaches you how a deck building game works it teaches you from game to game and it develops the mechanics it so if you have someone who've never played um, a deck builder like my girlfriend it's a perfect game to introduce them to because as you play through they will understand how the tactics can become more and more difficult as the things go through and it kind of teaches you to go through it which is really nice what I really also like about the game is that once you open the box there is a lot of tiny things that give the theme to it so the box itself looks like a suitcase covered with all the different markings from Hogwarts. Once you open it, you will see a board. Now, you might ask, why do we have a board? And I mentioned that before. Why there is a board if we are playing a deck builder? Well, if you think about it, the board is kind of like a mat in this game. 
as we set it up you will see that it allows you to control the game and it has spaces for all the cards you will have so you don't have to put them around the table and organize them in any way you want the board itself allows you to set up the game so you have specific spot for the draw deck for the cards you can purchase um, it gives you place to put the villain cards it gives you place to put the dark arts events it's per it gives you space to put the location cards at the same time you as a player will get like a small cardboard planchette let's say with your life and you will have space on your left to put your deck on your right for this card and above that little planchette which allows you to track your life from 10 to 0 when we get stunned um, on top we can easily put two cards one with our character and the special ability they have and the other one which is pretty much card with a turn order now like i've mentioned there is a lot of small things and details in that game and one of the details which many maybe have not noticed is that if you look at that card that gives you the turn order on the front side we have the hogwarts express you know nice still from a picture i think it's from first or second movie but if you turn around on the back it actually has like the hogwarts ticket to it so there are small things like that you know the small kind of details that give a lot to the theme to it even the uh, board itself um, you have two options on one side once you fold it you can have a big um, hogwarts logo which looks really nice but if you flip it it looks like inside of a student's trunk when we have some glasses and some here and we've got some potion and we even have marudis map and the board itself once you set it up it has that marudis feel to it it's kind of like an old paper thing it's a very solid cardboard which quality wise is great but the print on it looks like marudis map and you have some steps over here so it really it really has a lot of that theme to it uh, the game is very thematic and me uh, as a potter head i really like that that's one of the things that really made me buy the game is that it is a harry potter game and it's a good harry potter game so it's not just a okay we have ip let's make money on it they actually made a really good game with it so that made me really drawn into that game So to sum up, if you like deck builders, then I would say that the game will be for you because in the end it is a deck builder. If you like games with a progression to it. And yes, while in each game we start from this with the same basic deck and we build the cards again. So none of the cards we bought in game one will continue with us to game two. But there is that sense of progression and you do continue through the games. Even if you finish all seven games, you can really pick and choose the game you like the most, making it easier or more difficult what I would say possibly game one being the easiest and game seven being the most difficult. So you can always choose the game you really enjoyed and just play it again. Um, you want, might want to change the characters or just change the tactics. You, if For example, one time you play, you will focus on getting a lot of allies. On the other side, you will focus on items. On other one, you will focus on drawing extra cards and things like that. So there is a lot of replayability to the game. If you are a fan of Harry Potter like I am, then it's a great game to try because you can actually see that the IP is used well and it's used to make a really good game so it's always nice you like harry potter great you like board games great so it's a nice mix of these two worlds that gave us a harry potter hogwarts battle now the problems with the games are that first of all there is a lot of quality issues and like i mentioned i was missing rules some people were missing cards and imagine if you are missing two cards from that said it, it can mean a lot uh, especially if it's going to be card like I don't know, Dumbledore. There is only one copy of that card in the game. If you are missing it, you are missing a really big part of it. And US Opoly did not really show too much of a helping hand to people, so that's a bit of an issue. Um, apparently, there is also quality differences between first and second printing. 
So, you know, you might have discoloration between cards and some of the art might be slightly moved aside or something. So in terms of quality, uh, yes, I'm not going to say it's the best product. It's actually, I was a bit disappointed by it, especially that the game is 50 quid. Um, another thing is that um, what I mentioned before is that it doesn't really follow the game as such. So we have Crookshanks or Year One. Um, some of the arts are not really going to fit with how they looked like at that stage. Like I've mentioned in game one, first year, and we have already Malfoy from the fifth movie. So, you know, it doesn't really always fit in perfectly. Chronologically, it doesn't work that way. Um, Hermione has time turner on year one, while we all know that it all took place in year two. So, you know, that's a bit of a difference. If that, however, doesn't bother you, you've got a great game. And I will admit, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to say it's a perfect game, and I know I might be slightly biased because I do like Harry Potter. And I know that there is plenty of other deck builders that are really great, like Ian's End and plenty of others, even Clank. But it, it's a slightly different experience. And what I really like is, like I've mentioned, the progression of seven games one after another, where each adds some of the rules. So we have kind of that feel that we go through each year with Harry, um, Ron, Hermione and Neville. Another thing that some people might not like, like I've mentioned before, is the stills. So the game uses pictures from the movie. And I understand one why they've done it, because let's be honest, most people do recognize Harry Potter from the movies, not the books. And considering how many different covers you had and how many different um, artistic styles you had for the covers, you wouldn't be able to find one that everyone would find recognizable, while if you go for the movie, everyone will know it. And if you're a Potterhead, I don't think it's going to bother you too much. So all in all, the game is quite nice. If you haven't had a chance to try it, I would say definitely give um, give it a go. You've got plenty of videos to see how the game looks like. You can plenty plenty of videos to see what the components are, how the board looks like. And from me, you've had how the game plays and what is really nice about it and what are some of the issues you might be wary of. So I hope you enjoyed this magical episode filled with Harry Potter magic. And I hope you will be with us in two weeks time when we will be looking at another game. Now, as of this point in time, I can't tell you what game is it because I have not decided yet as I am waiting for a brand new game that soon will be hitting Kickstarter for a review. So if I manage to get the game in time, I might be testing it and that would be the game I will be talking about. If, however, that's not the case, there is a really big chance we might be talking about the recent release from FFG, which is Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth, which is, by the way, amazing. Okay, so thanks for listening. Thanks for being with me here today. And I'll be back with you in two weeks time with another episode of the Dog Ate My Meeple podcast. Thanks a lot for listening and take care.